Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pivotal Moment. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. Here we talk to people in news, sports, and entertainment about the moment that changed it all. So if you haven't, download and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. And please leave a review. Now, today, if you like sports, you're in for a treat. If you love music, you are going to love this. And if you like film, listen up. Our next guest has mastered them all. Sammy Grisafi is the retired female quarterback of the Chicago Forest women's football team. There she earned the world MVP and led the team to the world championship in 2013. Now, prior to that championship game, Grisafi sang her signature ukulele version of the national anthem. Yes, ukulele. The Huffington Post called her performance one of the most inspiring versions of the Star Spangled Banner we've ever heard. Next month, Sammy's contributions to the sports world will be recognized. She'll be inducted into the Semi-Pro Hall of Fame. Now, off the field, she's a songwriter, a singer, and advocate. At the request of then-Governor Pat Quinn, Grisafi performed at the signing of the Marriage Equality Bill in 2014. Her first album, Atlantis, earned six, six pre-Grammy nominations, and she received the Chicago Music Award for Best Rock Entertainer. She's the star of the upcoming documentary, A Football Story, which follows her life on and off the field. But her latest, get this, her latest song, it's called It's All an American, and it's a message for Donald Trump. We're going to play a little bit for you right now. You can build another wall. And then watch it fall. Yeah, so, so you moved to L.A. You're no longer in Chicago. No longer in Chicago. Moved to L.A. It's uh, very nice out here. It's 70 degrees. I'm out walking while I talk to you. Must in the, be uh, nice. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about Un-American. I know it was produced by Colin Wolf, who produced for Michael Jackson and TLC and Madonna and NWA. Can you just tell us a little bit about your reason for writing it and what you hope the song will accomplish? Yeah, I mean, when I first wrote it, it was mostly, I just was so infuriated by this kind of flip that seemed to be happening. Yeah. I was born and raised in a pretty conservative family, not my immediate family, but my extended family. And during the presidential election, really just the the campaigning aspect of it, I would have conversations with my family that it's like... I remember being a kid and them talking about how they couldn't believe that Clinton wasn't getting impeached for the Monica Lewinsky situation. Right. And, and then this guy comes in and is like talking about grabbing women by the, you know what? Yes. And, yes. you know, and like just completely disregarding any kind of polished anything. Let's it, just yeah, say that. Any, any measure of decorum is out the window. Yeah. Totally. He, yeah. De- decorum. That's the word. Yes. <laughs> Totally gone. Uh, no decorum. And also just like not really any scruples or right. Um, right. values. And, and it just surprised me how all of a sudden it didn't matter to them either. And then I was like, you know, the way he t- talks about the world and, and everything doesn't really align with the America I grew up believing yes, we were absolutely. built as, you yes, know. Yes. And um, so then I thought, okay, how do I take all of these things, these principles that America was built on and juxtapose them to what he talks about making America great again. Right. And they kind of butt heads with everything that he talks about. So I just wanted it to be like a conversation piece, really. I mean, that was the, the hope for the song was to create conversations, not attacks. And then what ended yeah. up happening was we posted the song and I got slammed, like brutally wow. people would just like, you know, this F wow. word, 
B word, C word everywhere. No you know, like no freaking way. Yeah, it went low on everything. You know, like she can't sing. She's fat. She's ugly. And I'm like, this isn't even about. I mean, call me whatever you want to call me. I'm confident in who I am and what I do. But right. um, if you're upset about it, tell me why. Like, let's have a conversation Correct. about it. And Correct. it ended up being this one guy who was really just going for it, post after post after post. You know, I said to him, I was like, hey, I said, just tell me what part of the song you don't like. I mean, that's a good question. You don't I get that you don't like that. I'm saying what you're doing is all in America. But are you listening to the words? You, I'm referencing the Pledge of Allegiance. So tell me which parts of those you don't like, because if you don't like the song, you don't like our American history, basically. Mm. And also, I was like, you know, and I, I don't hate you. I'm just trying to understand because right now we're all just attacking each other. We, I don't know you. You don't know me. Like. All of a sudden, you'd, you'd like kill me if you could. Wow. Like, you're, wow. you're like, or you'd fight me or you'd hurt me. You'd, you know, there's malice there. I was going to say, he was one of the folks who maybe didn't agree, but there were so many people who did and so many people who were like very happy that you shared that, right? There were, but, the, the, but they were much smaller in numbers than oh, the people I that. See. It's like Yelp, you know? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. If they're complaining, more they're people, doing it. Yep. Yeah, more people are willing to talk about a one-star review than they will take the time to, to write a five-star. But at the end of it, when I was like, I don't, I'm not angry at you. I'm just trying to have a conversation about this because I feel like we're really divided. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about it. And he ended up like turning around and changed his mind. And like, mm-hmm. it's true. But I mean, like, so here's what I realized from the whole experience of it, right? It's like, great. everybody just wants to be heard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of it, like... They just want their opinion heard and they want to feel relevant and they want to feel like their opinion matters, and which is great. But like you have to do more than just bitch on somebody's comment thread, you know, or comment on thread. <laughs> do more than like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's what I wish that a lot more things, I guess my main thing is I just wish people would, would stop writing different people that have different opinions than ourselves off completely without engaging. And I think a lot of that has to do with the safety or perceived safety of communicating via internet, because you can't see that person across from you get hurt, or you can't see that person across from you, like process. Absolutely. You can't, you're not having civil conversations. We're having one-sided, we're just talking. But that's what's so powerful about your song, because it is an invitation to talk. It's an invitation to think and to kind of look at things perhaps from another perspective. So Hopefully more people like the gentleman you turned around will begin to see that because it's an important conversation and you are brave enough to have it. And I think the folks that are receiving it are doing it for the right reason. So shout out. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikita. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. so. I think so. And I wanted to ask you too, since this is pivotal moment and we talk about the moments in your life that really shift you from where you are to where you want to be. Can you point out any one moment? Some people have had several, some people maybe just one that kind of really shifted the trajectory in your life, whether personally or professionally. Oh, well, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. <laughs> and, you know, right now we're in the middle of working on this documentary and I've been in there a lot of self-assessment mode with it because it's about my whole football career dating back to when I was 10. So there's been a lot of diving into the archives. Congratulations on the documentary, Sammy. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's going really well. We've been we've been working on it for five years. So, oh my goodness! But we're getting close. Okay. Yeah, we're getting close. Okay. But I would say I've just been very lucky with mentors. Yes. And sports and art. 
Yeah. You know, and by art, I mean performance art. And that, sure. I wish I could draw. <laughs> I wish I could draw and paint and sculpt, but I can't. Right. But you can sing and you can throw a ball and you can, you know, do the <laughs> You can write songs. You can do so many more things. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, the relationships and, and meeting all of the different people that I have through sports and my bands and, and theater and, you know, plays I've done and ensembles. It's like I've been very lucky with the different people that I've been able to come in contact Mm-hmm. who have, are from different backgrounds and from different parts of the world. And it's just really given me um, a broader perspective on different value systems and just how different people live. And I think that's really important and really valuable. And Absolutely. And I just, I wish that I could show that to other people in the world uh, that haven't had the opportunities that I have. Because it's not even like you can't be mad at people for it necessarily. It's just... They just haven't necessarily had the opportunities to meet people who are different from them, but sure, that's influenced me in so many ways from, you know, what drives me to, you know, what I believe in and people I love and the choices I've made. And it's just my mentors and the people, my peers who I've worked with and created with and lost and succeeded with. Yeah. So I talked about in the introduction to the show about your football career and also about your music career especially for maybe younger girls or young athletes who are in a male-dominated, perhaps, world from the sports industry perspective. Can you talk about maybe moments there that kind of got you from maybe on the sidelines onto the field and how that came about? Because you've played all over the world. You've played internationally. You won gold medals. You've played and sang the national anthem before going onto the field for a championship game. So Talk to us about how that came to be. I'd say that the, the main thing is that I never wanted any kind of handout. Mm-hmm. And that was a risk factor being a woman playing, a girl playing when I was younger. And um, I never wanted to be, and maybe this goes back to playing ball as a kid I'm in the neighborhood. We used to play with these older kids and yeah. they'd say, yeah, well, we gave you a handicap. You know, like me and my best friend growing up. We'd uh-huh. play against his older brother and his friend. And he'd be like, well, we gave you a handicap. That's why you won. And I guess that translated for me. I never wanted there to be any handicap when it came to my career. I never wanted anybody to be able to say, well, yeah, but she had this easier and she had that easier. If anything, okay. I just wanted the work to to speak for itself. To speak for itself. And so, I mean, really the main thing was I had to stop making excuses for myself because it's easy to do when other people make them for you. Um, it's easy to take that, put the bumpers on the bowling sure. a, uh, lane. And so I guess that's the main thing. Like, don't make excuses for yourself. Don't let yourself get off easy. Like, if you want to be great, you have to work at it to be great. And then nobody can take it away from you. Like, that's the great thing about sports. Music and theater and all of that is subjective in a lot of ways. Yeah. But with sports, if you run the fastest time, nobody can debate it. There are things that are, they're just solid facts Yeah, and you can work for those solid facts and nobody can ever take that away from you. Period. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful thing. Like when you accomplish that, it just gives you confidence throughout your life. Great point. So what does that feel like? Because a lot of people have only watched football, whether it is male or female from the stands, but you have been on the field, you've been a quarterback, you have led people into battle, quote unquote, but you have led teens to championship or the Chicago Forest to championship. So what is that like? What does that feel like? Is it a burden? Is it a reward? How do you feel out there when you are doing what you do so well? Before winning 
one championship, I lost two. So okay, <laughs> you gotta crawl before you walk. So it's okay. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, the feeling when you win it is amazing. It, yeah. For me, because we had lost two in final minutes prior to winning one. That's hurt. That hurts. Yeah, it just felt like a relief, actually. I was like, ah, so glad we didn't lose the third one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that everybody felt that way. But as a, yeah, as the leader of a team, it's it's a hard hit when you get up that high and you fall. But it's a great, it's the highest high when you get up that high and you reach the top. So, yeah, I would say it's an amazing feeling. It's also a lot of work. Yep. And it's almost out of your hands. I mean... You can only control what you can control, but having 45 different human beings, not including coaching staff and managers and all of that, it's a lot of personalities and it's a lot of trying to make sure everybody's getting what they need. And I'm not saying like just coddling everyone. I'm saying like it's getting what they need and what will make the team better. And that's really hard It's because there's a lot of ego. And I mean, I'm saying myself included when I was younger, especially I was I, I had ego issues. I'm ashamed to say, but hope. I mean, I feel like I've learned from them. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And I would say that always put the success of the team first, yeah. and the cause that you're working toward, whatever it is, whether it's sports or work, whatever it is that you're pursuing. Yeah. If you always put the cause before yourself, then you'll always know that you're doing the right thing. And so that's kind of how I changed, I guess, in my older age um, while playing is that it wasn't about me and what I felt was good for me or what I felt was good for my ego. It was, you know, how can we be successful and go about it the right way as a team? As a team first, that's the mentality. And then because you are, are women out on the field, what are the similarities or even differences between, let's say, the male game and the female game, do you take a lot of your cues or like inspiration from the guys or what's difficult about being a woman? (laughs) I would say I do take a lot of cues from what I learned because it's my foundational, you know, when I first started playing, I was playing with the guys. And I think that's why I I vibe so well with the coach, with coach Konecki, you know, in Chicago is he treated us like athletes. It felt like he was treating us just like I was treated when I played with the guys in high school. Yeah. And it felt like home to me. I think that the difference is that I don't think it's all women's sports, but some of the teams that I've been on have struggled. Some of the women have struggled with that kind of coaching because a lot of male coaches that I've had in the past, just there's a, there's a coddling. They feel like they have to kind of talk down and it's, I don't think that it's intentional. Actually, I don't feel like it's intentional. I think it's just the way that they, think that they have that women have to process things like they need more and I think that some women have kind of believed that they do that because they've been taught that way for so long so all of that to be said in my experience in the past and not so much with the Chicago Force but with other teams I've, I've noticed there being a pushback about how much more kumbaya stuff has to occur and i'm not really of that school stuff sammy (laughs) yes i know i'm sorry i know that those are important things but for me i just think that the balance is they could be used less and um focus more on skills and mechanics and things of that nature there's just a little bit too much currently yeah with the game too much 
kumbaya stuff. Too much kumbaya but, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Before I move on, I do want to say, I mean, that is a negative about the difference between men and women. But the positive is, is that women are, in my experience, also you're talking about different age ranges, so it's really hard to tell, you know. But women are usually more, they have better learning agility Ooh. with the game. And so I would say that the way that a woman approaches the game, they just absorb a lot a lot faster than the guys have. And um, I mean, you're talking about most of the women that are playing high level tackle football right now are, have never played the game before. And so you're, they're having to learn, you know, a lifetime of football knowledge in a few months and they do it with flying colors. So, you know, there's ups and downs and there's plenty more on the other, on both ends of the spectrum that we could talk about, but yeah, get into your other question. Uh, yes. I retired last year. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. Congrats. Yes. I just found out I will be uh, inducted in the uh, Semi-Pro Football Hall of Fame. <gasps> Congratulations. Yes. That'll be cool. Shout out to you. Thank you. Oh, Along with wow. 44 other women. So it's going to be, it'll be a nice class. Wow. And when does that happen? When does the induction uh, occur? It'll be at the end of November, I believe. Oh, wow. This is wonderful for you. What a great testament to all of your hard work. Wonderful. You yeah, that. that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be more than cool. I'm even more excited about what we have going with this documentary. Yes, talk to me about that. So that's what we've been working on, really kind of knuckling down here in the last, um, I guess, year. We've really been full court press on it. Okay. And so we have this film that you know, we're in talks with some major studios that are um, considering distributing it and hoping that we get one of the festivals that we're going to submit to all those and just a lot of really fantastic people that are helping us with it. Okay. And uh, we filmed all last year at the 2017 Women's World Championship. We have help from uh, a guy who's been filming all of women's football's major events since pretty much the inception of it. Okay. And it's just going to tell this story. Our hope was, you know, I was sick of seeing all these women's sports movies that felt kind of pasteled. Pasteled. Yeah, you know. I love the you terminology. See, yeah, well. Pasteled. I mean, yeah, I what I mean it. is, yeah, what I mean is like every time you see some woman's athletic whatever, it's like this pasteled softened version of what sports is. And it's like just because we're women does not mean that that's what that does not reflect yeah. what we do. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard nose and it's, it's just like anything else. It's in any other sport. So, you know, our hope was to create a film that happened to be about women that was done in more of a Friday night lights tone. Love it. Love it. What's the title of it, Sammy? The working title right now is a football story. Okay. Which is another, uh, another thing that we, we didn't want it to be, you know, like quarterback princess, like the Helen Hunt movie. We wanted it Got to it. have, we wanted it to be an every man's football story told through the eyes of a woman. So wonderful. Such a great concept and a great story. I cannot wait. Yeah. And you're submitting yeah, it we're to very the film close. festivals this year or this coming year? Um, we're hoping to have it done by early early next year, early okay. 2019. It'll probably uh, not get it out there until 2020 or maybe late tw- 2019. Okay. But the album, we're deciding whether we're going to release that before or after, but I think we're leaning at least for a single to release before it. The album is also going to be the soundtrack and we'll have uh, live game footage or live game audio incorporated into the songs. And 
we're very close with that. I'm really excited about that. That is so exciting. What's the name of the new album? Working title right now is Manifest, but I just know Manifest. I was just riding around in uh, in L.A. and I just saw a billboard for a, a movie or a television show called Manifest. I'm like, oh, man. So we might have <laughs> to that. <laughs> we might have to change it. But yeah, the, the whole album is kind of my hope is that it, it kind of reigns true as like an athlete's memoir sure. as an album goes. So it's from fun drinking tunes, going out and drinking to pregame warmups to wow. end of career, bittersweet, melancholy vibes. It's got a little bit of everything on it. This is great. This is so great. So let me ask you these two questions because you're an athlete and you're a singer. You're a Grammy Award nominated singer, actually. So what advice do you have for athletes who are trying to get to the next level? And then what advice do you have for singers or performers who want to get to the next stage or a stage? For both of them, I'd say that it's who you surround yourself with. And this goes all the way down to kids. I mean, like, find people who inspire you, find people who are better than you at everything, and then hang out with them all the time and let it push you. That's how you push yourself. I'm so lucky the people that I got to hang out with, but like whoever you choose to spend your time with will rub off on you, whatever it is, because it's the value system. And so whatever your crew's value system is, is what you're going to end up spending your time doing. So make sure you choose that wisely. Like, If you want to become a better guitarist, hang out with great guitarists or hang out with great musicians that will push you to be a better guitarist. Absolutely. Or same with athletes. I hung out with a bunch of guys that were much older than me when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, that sounded creepy. (laughs) They weren't that. (laughs) My my cousin. Sammy, you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That did sound creepy. Uh, yeah, I hung out. My cousins were all like five and six years older than me and the guys on my street. That's totally normal. Totally normal. It was, but yeah. in that sentence, it sounded really, right. really creepy. <laughs> um, anyway, I didn't want to have to sit out and I really enjoyed playing sports. And, you know, even my uncles who, you know, were obviously like 20 years older than me when, yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, they wouldn't really take it easy on us. And so... I attribute a lot of my early athleticism and the foundation of all that just who I was hanging out with. Because your idea of good, the bar gets raised when you are exposed to it. And when you're just watching, like, yeah, you can watch people play music on TV and be like, oh, that's so good. But to see it day in and day out and to see what, you know, it takes and like, yeah, and also to be, to see the different levels of good and like how you can push yourself, like, that's just really important. So that's my advice for both. That is great because you are the company you keep is basically what you're saying. And there's no getting around that. You can be brought up or be brought down based on that, too. So what's been the most challenging part of sports and or music? What's the challenge and how have you overcome it? Well, I'd say the challenge with sports is the game's still in development. So for me, I'm retired now. But if I weren't, I felt that the game was really was able to pay, first of all, because it's a high risk factor for something that doesn't pay. But it's also just the growth of it. I would say that the sport not being the lack of growth right now. Yeah. Or the lack of breaking through to the next level for women's football. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the biggest challenge. It's hard to get people to come to practice when they have full-time jobs and kids. And yeah. they're not getting paid from football. It does take a back seat. So you can't really achieve or, you know, you can't really accomplish what you set out to accomplish if not everybody can be there. And it's the ultimate team sport. So. I'd say that that's a big one. 
how did you manage that? Because that is a big one. Like you said, if you're not getting paid to actually play and everyone or most folks have a full-time job, how were you able to corral your team to do as well as they did and to have the kind of sportsmanship that they had? How did you do it? I think there's a commitment to the game and there's just a love of it and a love of each other. And, and for us, you know, in one particular year, 2013, you know, we had, we were especially inspired because we were just sick of being on a losing end. And we're like, we're not even putting our full effort in because we can't have everybody there. And so it was just a commitment to the team and to each other, I think. And, and the game, we all extremely fortunate to have the manager and owner, Linda Boucher, who, she, you know, she made things happen and really helped us get the right facilities and, you know, get all of the, you know, and she put a lot of her own money into it to make that happen. And then our coaching staff, you know, our head coach, John Konecki did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for us. Yeah. And he was always, you know, researching and doing things for his job as the head coach of his high school boys, his high school team. And, and we reaped a lot of the benefits of that. And do you envision that changing in the near future, in the future, in terms of like compensation for players that you will get, you know, some form of stipend or compensation for doing what is really difficult work in addition to whatever your full-time role might be? Yeah, I do actually. I do think it will change. I do think it will change. The thing is, it's one big sponsorship away from happening. Got it. You just need one major money person that's going to say, all right, let's whittle this down to eight teams, make it very competitive or even four to start and televise it, you know, because right now it's really hard because a lot of the games are not close and they're not fun to watch. And they've allowed pretty much anybody to start a team, which is great opportunity wise. But when you have 60 something teams and a quarter of them are really good, if that, and they're blowing out the teams that aren't very good, it's just not. That's not real competition. It's not entertaining. Not either. entertaining either. So it's yeah. hard to sell. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's very possible. I think it's just money and news. structure. So I wanted to ask you about when you're on stage, because I was looking at your website. I love the new design. I guess maybe I haven't been on there in a minute, but it's Oh, amazing. thank you. you That's like me. I did bomb. that. You did that? I did it. Girl, you look like some type of like runway model. You got the hair cascading from the microphone and you're blowing and singing. <laughs> I was like, go, Sammy. Go, Sammy. I'm so- trying to do my best, Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I need the industrial size fan up front. If I could have a Beyonce fan just follow me throughout my day, I'd be so much happier. Uh, wouldn't we all? I think that's the depth of my despair when I don't have the fan on me. So I'm going to work Ugh. on that. We should work on that. I love it. She does. She looks so good She's all the amazing. time. I, she she never doesn't even need the fan. Day. She looks good when she sweats, too. Okay. What is that? That lemonade video. I'm like... <laughs> Damn. It makes me want to put down my Twinkie and like go to the gym. Like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you about being on stage. Like when you have the mic in hand, like we see on your website, like we've seen at your performances, what are you feeling and what are you thinking? Are you connecting with the crowd? Are they drawing from you? Are you drawing from them? What's happening? I love, that's so funny. I've never been asked that. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Good question. <laughs> I co-run this private concert series in Brentwood. We actually have it this weekend. It's called Sunsesh LA. And uh, the website sunsesh.la. And I MC for that. So both when I'm doing that, when I'm MCing and asking questions for artists that come through. Yeah. And when I'm on stage performing, it, I just, it's so funny because I don't think, I just, I don't. I just mm. absolutely feeling the moment, whether it's, us playing, I mean, if something goes wrong, then I start thinking, you know, if somebody miss, misses a cue or if I miss a cue or, yeah, 
then I start thinking and it's usually panic thinking, but, or, you know, problem solving thinking. Sure. But I'd say most of the time I'm just enjoying the moment mm. um, because, you know, in LA, there's a lot of uh, people performing all the time and you only get so much stage time because you can't flood the market. And yeah. And so I guess I just really enjoy it. I'm just basking in it. And Oh, that sounds so great. I love that. Yeah. I just, and I'd say when I'm playing my own, it's different. Because when I'm playing my own music, I'd say the main thing is that I'm just trying to tell the story accurately and, and wholeheartedly. And uh, when I'm performing at like a bar and I'm playing cover songs, I'm just trying to pump up the audience and give them what they want and, you know, make it an enjoyable atmosphere and experience for them. And when I'm doing q and I'm just wanting to promote the artist. So I love that. You are the B-O-M-B. Huh? You are the B-O-M-B, the bomb. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> dot com dot edu. Yeah, you better believe it. You better believe it all day, every day. I mean, especially when you are able to do, because some people, you know, they spend their whole lives perfecting one craft, and yet you've done two and or and more. Like, you're now getting into the whole documentary and the film industry, which is even more incredible as well. So what do you know now that you wish you had, let's say, five years ago or what's been most surprising about this journey? I would say, and this just goes across the board, everything. Yeah. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they don't. Nobody knows anything. It, and that, that is the lesson I've learned. I have learned there is nothing. I swear to you. Oh, no, gosh. that's the truth. That is the truth. Everybody is flying by the seat of their pants. Wow selling a bill of goods mm. and and it's just like does it resonate with people or doesn't it that's for everything it's just like a matter of confidence there are people i know that have jobs they should not have but yeah. like, but they're they have this confidence that like and so they got it you know or they know somebody or whatever it is like everybody is just flying by the seat of their pants there are exceptions obviously i mean there are people who are truly brilliant and in a league of their own but for the most part the general public when talking about whatever thing that you're going for like if people just told me when I was a kid that like everybody's just really just really the same <laughs> and like the only <laughs> difference is is the packaging I mean that really is that's it yeah period um yeah so which is really cool I'm actually glad I didn't know that as a younger person because then I wouldn't have probably worked this hard and it's a pleasant surprise when you find that out and you've worked hard yeah it's not a pleasant surprise when you find that out but you have nothing to offer oh yeah that's brutal that's brutal you know what i mean is there anything sammy given all that you've done and all that you know anything you do differently in your career no i love everything i've done i'm really happy i'm happy that i struggled through it all i actually had this conversation with my uh my roommate who's also my drummer and a longtime friend from college and uh we were talking about it, and he lived in Chicago, too. From, he's from Naperville. Okay. And we were, we were talking about this whole thing, and I'm like, we booked this concert series, and we book a lot of these kids who are, like, at USC, and uh, we went to a music conservatory. Well, he went to a music conservatory. I went to a theater conservatory. We, it was the same school. Wow. And we talked about it, and we're like, man, can you imagine, you know, starting in L.A., like, starting your career in L.A. and, like, yeah. going to USC and, like, being that young in this city and you know, where would we be now? And he's like, 
we'd probably be dead. And I laughed a little bit, but then I was like, mm, maybe you're right. Not so much that. I don't know that we'd be dead, but I do think that um, Chicago has, and it's not just Chicago, obviously, mm-hmm. but definitely more so than LA it has a work ethic that is not reflected here. I'm really happy that I started in Chicago because I feel like my ego would be a monster I couldn't control. <laughs> it keeps you grounded. You're very grounded as a real Yeah, and, I, and I'd be, I don't mean in an arrogant way. I don't mean that I would be inflated. I feel like I would be destroyed. I think that it would be, you know, this town is very, it messes with, you know, what you should be, what you should be, what you should look like, what you should do. And it doesn't really support original thinkers and it doesn't really support original ideas and they're happy when they hit but they are not going out of their way to find the next best thing you know and so I'm really happy that I grew up in a place uh, as an adult from 18 to 30 whatever 30 that was focused more on the tools and refining the tools and making sure that I had the experience and the hard work and the work ethic that I then could develop and then kind of have a better idea of who I was to then take it to LA and not be persuaded or dissuaded from ideas and work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big props to Chicago. See, now that's a good place to end because now we have given our city some shine and we always need shine because they're always trying to take us in a different direction. I love Chicago. It's my, it will always be my second home. It's always in conjunction with California because I grew up out here, but. And your parents are from there, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember talking to you. Yeah, Yeah. I remember them. Good people. So, when are you coming back to Chicago? Are you performing in Chicago anytime soon? Well, you know, if we not if we when we get this documentary going and uh, and the album, we absolutely are going to be touring. Okay. And Chicago, we've even been kicking the idea around of doing a screening in Chicago for sure. Oh, that would be great. That would be. And by kicking around an idea, I mean I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. Yeah, you have to. It's a very very Chicago centric and very Chicago focused documentary. So yes, yeah, well, I, we will be there when that releases, and I will most likely be playing the show as well oh, with all the new music. Great. Well, we will be looking for the documentary. We will be looking for yeah. the album, which is the soundtrack for the documentary, and we'll be looking for you to shine your sunshine in Chicago at some time in the near future. Yes. Thank you. And if you want to see uh, the, uh, we have like a little sizzle reel that gives you a little taste of what we're Ooh. working on. It doesn't have the story connected, but you'll get to see some images and things like that. And that's at a football story dot film. Okay. Can you say that website you want to name one more time? Can you say it one more time slowly? Yeah. A uh, football story film uh, dot film. Okay. Fantastic. A like, yeah. A football story dot film. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you. Thank you. you thank you. I miss you, Sammy. I really, really do. You have to come back and you have to have me a ticket when you come to Chicago so I can come to the show. Number one. I will. I will. Okay. Absolutely. I want a Beyonce fan near the seat where I'm seated. <laughs> <laughs> She's got some man. If you're going to have a Beyonce fan on the stage, I got to have one while I'm sitting in the audience. Okay. I'm I'll not park ask you on the other side of it. <laughs> Oh, Sammy, you are the best. You have always been. I'm so glad that I know you. Um, Ladies and gentlemen. Well, the feeling's mutual. Yes, you are the bomb, girl. And shout out for all the things you're doing and all the ways that you really do inspire women, athletes, and singers to do their very best. I really appreciate and respect what you're doing. Thank you, Nikita. I appreciate you. Thank you for telling telling my story and, and all of the people's stories that you tell. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we will talk soon, my friend, and take care out there in L.A., okay? 
All right. Thanks. You do the same in Chicago and say hi for me. All right. Best of luck. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Shout out to Sammy Grisafi for all of her success on and off the field and best of luck on the upcoming induction into the Semi-Pro Hall of Fame next month. We're going to play more of Grisafi's sizzling single, It's All an American, in just a minute. So please stay tuned and be sure to check out her sneak peek at the upcoming documentary of Football Story at afootballstory.film. She is definitely a woman who rocks. So coming up in our Women Who Rock series, we will talk to Miami model maker Sunny Morrison. She's created a place and a space on the runway for young girls and a modeling empire in the process. Also, be sure to check out our talk with filmmaker and professor Dr. Kelly Richmond Pope. She created the Netflix documentary, All the Queen's Horses. It tells the story of the largest case of fraud in U.S. history, $53 million, and the amazing way that this woman did it and nobody knew. We'll also talk to, and please download our talk with Sally Hazelgrove. She's the founder of the amazing boxing program in Inglewood that's helping young men to box their way out and producing a few Golden Glove champs in the process. If you haven't, download Pivotal Moment on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean, and please leave a review. I'm your host, Nikita Faustin. Thank you so much for listening, and here is more from Sammy Grisafi. Her single, It's All Un-American. It is a message for Donald Trump. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. You can fabricate fear in the people's ear. Dictators do it well. But the only thing to fear is fear itself. Said Roosevelt. My country is a thief. It's all un-American